um, eight, read nine eighteen through thirty. Uh, but just as we are going there, um, just to set up where we are, just to remember where we came from. Also, last week, um, Jesus is in the middle of explaining what fasting is to John the Baptist's uh, disciples and explain why he is not fasting and why uh, that's a good thing uh, because he is God himself and that you don't have to fast to be closer to God when God is right there. Um and that he is like the bridegroom at a wedding party. And then in the we had these two uh, pictures he was painting that the teaching the teaching Jesus was coming with was something that was going to fulfill something. It was going to blow the frames off of what people were expecting. So it couldn't even be contained in what the story was going to be. So as this thing is happening, then... We go right into reading because it's right. He's going to be interrupted at, um, by a man, and so we read in eighteen. So while he's doing this, while he was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him, saying, "My died, my daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live." Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. And behold, a woman who had had suffered for a discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, If I only touch his garment, I will be made well. Jesus turned and seeing her, he said to her, Take heart, daughter, for your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. And when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute, flute players and the crowds making a commotion, he said to them, Go away, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand and the girl arose and the report of the of this went throughout that district as Jesus passed from there two blind men followed him crying aloud have mercy on us son of David when he entered the house the blind men came to him and Jesus said to them do you believe that I'm able to do this and they said to him, Yes, Lord. And he touched their eyes, saying, According to your, fa- according to your faith, let it be done to you. And their eyes were opened. And Jesus sternly warned them, See that no one knows about it. But they went away and spread his fame throughout the district. Amen. So we have this uh <laughs> we have this instance where Jesus is actually in the middle of teaching and a man who would normally not come in and bow before somebody else comes in he is a ruler so he's a ruler of the synagogue we know he comes in and he's on his knees before Jesus we talked about this when people are on the knees 
on their knees before Jesus, sometimes it can be that they are actually understanding that he is divine and he is worthy of worship. We're not really sure here. We're not exactly sure. The word is the same, but it's, it's how it's expressed. If this was really true, would there not be other people objecting to what he's doing? But if you remember back to the leper who did it, there, we were there everybody was clear, oh, he is worshiping Jesus, he knows who Jesus is. Here it's maybe not as clear, but what is clear is that this man is desperate and he believe, believes that Jesus can help because his daughter is dead. Jesus is pretty kind and generous. He's at a he's at the he's at a party. Uh, first, his party is interrupted by John's disciples. No, not really. The Pharisees interrupt the party with questioning, "Why are you hanging out with these sinners?" Then after that, John's disciples join the party and they start asking about um, uh, about fasting. So Jesus was actually just supposed to be at a party enjoying himself with Matthew and the disciples. And these people keep coming asking questions. And this man, very grieved, comes in and interrupts Jesus and lays at his feet. And says, My daughter has just died. And then we see his faith there. But come and lay your hand on her and she will live. Does this man have that great faith? That he believes that Jesus is the Lord of life and death? That if Jesus just touches her, she will rise again? Wow. Was he just like super desperate? <laughs> and he would just do whatever it takes. If we just pause a little bit, and I, maybe some of us um, knows what it's like to be desperate in smaller or greater amount. What do we do when we're desperate? What do we do when we're not desperate? When we just need an answer, we need something. We need somebody to help us, somebody to listen, somebody to hold on. What do we do when it's just normal life? What do we do in our everyday? We know we have a need all the time. And we know God's power. But do we sometimes forget that Pentecost has happened? And we try to do things in our own strength, not dependent on Jesus. I think this man shows us a really good picture of what prayer is. He runs to the one whom he knows have the power and the solution.
if we know we are dependent on Jesus, his life, his death, and resurrection, and today we're reminded that Jesus, Jesus, he, he has been eternally with the Father. He chose in God's wisdom to come into the world. As a baby, he lives a life with no sin. He goes to the cross, he dies for our sin, and then he rises again. So that's 50 days ago, Easter Sunday. But then he tells the disciples when he ascends, which was last Thursday, we celebrated that, that they should wait for the Holy Spirit to come and give them power to do what Jesus told them to do. Because how are they going to bring this news to the whole world if they were just going to do it on their own? So that's why it's good to be reminded about this. Maybe not just once a year, but probably every day. That it's, however strong we are, we are pretty weak without the power of God in us. And so when Jesus ascends, he promises that the power will come and be with us to equip us, to remind us of what he did and that we, he'll be working in and through us. Well, this is a reminder of us. As we go back to the story, Jesus is interrupted in this party. Now, <laughs> we know Jesus. We, we know Jesus so far is going to, what's he going to do? He's going to say, I can't. I'm at this party. I'll, I'll come later. Well, that's going to happen with Lazarus, but not now. But he, he just gets up from the party. Like he just gets up and, and, f- and follows them and disciples goes with them. I mean, they're leaving a party of uh, feasting to go to a house where there's a funeral. There's a pretty good, uh, <laughs> pretty big contrast. And then we have this, then we have this instance on the road. So, if we look at the characters in this thing, we have a wealthy, n- famous, known man who comes and throws himself at Jesus because he's desperate. Now we're going to meet a woman who's totally different. She's unknown, she's an outcast, and she's unclean. But let's look at her and her faith. On the way there, they are walking from Matthew's house to Jairus' house but there's a woman in the crowd and this is that woman she has a problem a really bad problem she has been unclean for 12 years because the bleeding problems means that she cannot worship she is ceremonially unclean anyone who touches her or anything she sat on is unclean till evening. It means everyone who touches this woman will be unclean until evening. It's a little bit of the parallel to the, if you remember back to the leper. Now, in principle, she could live in town, but then nobody who lives with her can touch anything she has touched or touch her. This is how she's lived for 12 years. 
Um, I have some different slides up there. So if you take the red one, so this is the this is what I just said. So this is from Leviticus uh, twenty uh, fifteen twenty five to twenty seven. And so that's the text of that's so you know I just didn't make it up. It is from the Bible. Um the laws about impurity. But then one commenter said if you take the commenter the one that's just yeah. So this is somebody talking about what would happen if she did go and worship. That it would be anything from like <laughs> from uh, just a few beatings to a lot of beatings or that she could actually be killed. So she has had no chance of worshiping God in the temple. She uh, can't touch anyone. If she does, they will be unclean until evening. And and anything she sits on or touches is also unclean. But she's going to touch Jesus. We have the same dilemma here as we had with the leper. The leper was also unclean. This woman is going to <laughs> break all sorts of rules. Because we can just say, you know, in our time, it was like, you touch somebody's clothes. I mean, <laughs> what does that mean? You touch their clothes. But here, her touch would make Jesus unclean. Or ceremonially unclean until evening. But she believes that Jesus will make her well, will make her whole. The word there is also translating, some translates that she will be saved, that she will be made well. But what will happen? Will Jesus be unclean? No, he won't. Like the leper, it's going to be the other way around. This lady comes up and touches Jesus' clothes. Jesus turns. You can go back to the text. And he looks at the woman and calls her daughter and says, your faith has made you well. And instantly, the woman was made well. So if this was any other person... Jesus would now be unclean until evening. But Jesus says, no, I'm not unclean. And you are well. And your faith has made you well. So instead of Jesus rebuking her for touching her, she speak, he speaks to her words of mercy and comfort. Oh yeah, at that point also. Mm. He turns around, <laughs> because he turns around, it's so interesting. I, I've really been struck by this through Matthew. How God sees, how Jesus sees. We're going to talk about it again with the blind men. How Jesus sees, how he tells them, <laughs> blind men also to see. So it's such so, so weird. But okay, so just a point. He turns around and sees her. 
And I talked about it last time, like this. 7.8 billion people and sometimes we can get all caught up in like does God see me? Yes he does. Here Jesus he turns around looks the woman in the eye and says daughter your faith has made you well. This was this person that was unclean couldn't touch people for 12 years. Jesus looks at her and says you are well. Your faith has made you well. The intimacy of our God, the all-knowing God, all creator God who creates everything, also sees you all the time. So we have the in, this interlude, and I don't know, this, there's all sorts of things. Maybe... Maybe the ruler is being angry, like, why are you stopping? Like, my daughter is dead. We don't, it's in this part it's not really said, but. But from there Jesus turns and he continues to the house. And it's, uh, like we, we talked about uh, when we had the controversy of like, go bury the dead, uh, like that the dead bury the dead. And we learned about, um, at this point in time, the funeral will start that day. So the funeral is already starting here. You have mourners, you have these flute players. The house is already turned into the beginning of a funeral. So I mean, I I don't know about you, but I'm imagining this kind of like he's coming from one party to another party. It's a little more sad party, but it's kind of chaotic in a sense. There are people weeping, people playing the flute, and and some people have this as a, as a job. So they'd be like mourning people. They would go to different places. I think some of my brothers from uh, <laughs> from Africa, they can attest to this is true. Like then people would show up and they will mourn and cry. Um, that that's still fine. In Denmark, it is not exactly like that. Uh, so I think it w- he's going to show up to a little bit of a chaos here. Um, <laughs> Jesus is going to have none of that. <laughs> He's going to be like, what are you doing? She's sleeping. And then they laugh and ridicule, ridicule Jesus. Because they know she's dead. What if we just pause there? Because this is this this is the Son of God. This is God. This is Jesus being ridiculed for His faith. What about us? We talked about it earlier to love our enemies. What when our enemies rub it in our faces and laugh at us for our faith? How do we respond to that? The one point I had is, uh, does it frighten us into silence? Does it demotivate us from sharing when we know we can be ridiculed? Or do we remember back to the Beatitudes where it's a gift of God to be ridiculed for our faith? (laughs) Here... Here, here Jesus takes charge and <laughs> he just says, okay, you guys, you, you have to leave. There's no room for you. This is not a funeral. 
Oh, if it is a, if it is a funeral, I'm going to stop it now. Uh, we're stopping this funeral. And Jesus just, and they take them all and take them outside. So all these flute players and all the people there put outside. And Jesus goes in. And what does he do? He goes in and took her by the hand and she arose. Jesus steps into this room. He comes into a funeral and unfuneralizes it, if you can say that. He comes in to this dead girl's room, takes her hands, and somebody wrote, somebody said he reaches right into death and pulls her right back out. That gives me, that gives me a goosebumps just saying it. Jesus proves who he is here. He's Lord of the living and of the dead. And he's the person who can say, you're not dead anymore. You are alive. And that is amazing. That, is a, that just, this is just maybe just explodes our minds just comprehending that Jesus can do that. And then I was thinking about it, and I think somebody else said this too, but it's so easy for Jesus. Because remember back to creation, that everything that was created was created through Jesus and for Jesus. When God created all things out of nothing through Jesus, there was nothing. How easy is it to raise somebody who's already there? I mean, compared to creating everything out of nothing. <laughs> I'm not saying that it's easy because <laughs> it's, it's who Jesus is that can do it. But I just thought that was a good comparison as well. And, and this, is not to neglect, this is not to put down the extreme sadness and frustration and, and um, desperation of the parents. But I think for us, we need to also lift our eyes to up to Jesus is not just somebody who brings somebody back from death. He's the one through whom all things were created for him and through him. He upholds all things with the word of his power. That's how powerful Jesus is. Now these people are seeing glimpses of this. But if we are supposed to, if we in this life will be ridiculed, made fun of for our faith, we need to know how big our God is and how near Jesus is to us. Now this makes Jesus famous in the whole district. <laughs> and uh, Jesus is not looking for fame. We know that. We've seen that. And he will continue to try to not look for that. And then, I don't know, maybe, I don't know if this was Jesus every day. 
<laughs> but now he's gone from one party. On the way to the party, somebody touches him. <coughs> then he goes to the funeral, stops the funeral, heals the girl. Now he's on the way back to Matthew's house to go back to the party. And then two people start yelling after him. So sometimes you think you're busy and uh, you have lots to do. <laughs> this also seems like a day where Jesus had a lot to do. And these, these men just start crying out. They're crying out. They're like, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. Um, and I don't know if Jesus is starting to get a little bit tired because he just keeps walking. <laughs> I think this is kind of funny. <laughs> he doesn't turn around and then heals them. He keeps walking because it says like he walks into the house. Now the men don't really care that Jesus doesn't respond to them immediately. They just follow him right into the house. But then we're going to have a very interesting exchange and we've seen some of this exchange before. And I think some of it is because of what they call him. Jesus, remember Jesus' title for himself is the son of man. But these people say he's the son of David, which would indicate that they actually believe that he is the Messiah, that he is the king that's going to come from David. Maybe that's also going to go against, or not against, but that's going to be maybe why Jesus is going to ask them some qu a question. Because they are saying that Jesus is the Messiah, that he was the promised one to come. So they come into the house. I'm imagining Jesus is going to sit down. They come in. And Jesus is going to ask them a question. Do you believe that I'm able to do this? Jesus is asking, do you really believe what you are shouting at me on the road. Do you really believe what you are saying? The men don't seem to hesitate, but they double, uh, they kind of double down and say, yes, Lord, we believe. And Jesus touches their eyes. But what is that? What does he do? He says something. According to your faith, be it done to you. So Jesus was serious when he was asking him you believe I can do this? And their eyes were opened. And then Jesus, he wa Jesus wants them. And he uses the word see. I don't know. If <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> I thought it was funny. They've been blind. And now he says see. That no one knows about it. But they went array and spread his fame throughout the district there's a few points here um, 
We once did a few sermons on when God asks questions. Because when God asks questions, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. And so when Jesus asks this question, it's not because he doesn't know their faith. But it's because he wants them to think about what they're saying. And we had it the same, it was the same thing with the leper. So when it seems like when people make big claims about who Jesus is, he asked them one more time. You remember the leper, he worshipped Jesus. These people say that he is the son of David, the Messiah. He asked them a question. Do you believe I can do this? And they say yes. In both instances, he does the same, which can be slightly scary. I mean, unless you have lots more faith. But also, Jesus being serious about don't run around saying all sorts of things if you don't believe them. Don't say I'm the son of whoever and come to me and say I can do things and then you don't believe. But it's a comfort to know that Jesus knows. But he does ask him, do you actually believe in who I am? Again, Jesus, he, <laughs> he wants them not to say anything. Uh, if you can put the last slide on, I think. It's a, like a quote thing. And so, uh, the <laughs> I think it's an interesting quote. Because when Jesus tries to stop people from witnessing what he has done to them, and is especially in this case, it's kind of a little bit funny, because how can... How can some people who now can see, how can, how can people not see they can see? So it's a little bit difficult not to, like to, because their lives have been changed, you know, it's a little bit difficult to keep that a secret. Um, so he says, um, the command to keep the healing quiet was asking a lot. How do you conceal the cure of a blind man? But they don't, need, they don't even try. <laughs> because they go out and like tell everybody. Um, so there's a tension there to avoid like too much publicity and like, but there's still this powerful testimony of what Jesus has done. So how, does it, how are they supposed to live with that or in that? Um, so they don't really listen and then they go out and tell everybody, we can see. Jesus, he healed us. And we think he's the Messiah. Which Jesus is trying to say he's not, that he's the son of man. They are supposed to understand it better than knowing that he's the Messiah. And so he's not trying, he's not trying to get famous, Jesus. Like he's trying to put a lid on it. Because if we remember back to his baptism, the most important thing for Jesus is the words that the Father has spoken over him that this is my son in whom I will pleased. That's his identity, not whatever people, not whatever fame other people would give him, riches or 
king or the kingship because that was not what was going to happen. Jesus was entrusting himself to the Father only because they knew the, what the mission was. Because it wasn't about becoming famous. It was about showing who God was to people. For us, fame, for us humans, for everyone, for us, fame can be a trick, like riches, that we maybe want to keep. Like, I, if you see, like, YouTubers or Instagrammers and all those people, they have, to they have to keep, like, producing content. Or if you made one movie as an actor, you have to make another one. Or if you're famous in sports, you have to keep, keep better and better. So, so fame is a fleeting thing that you have to keep working for. And it can be like a tri trick, like a hamster wheel. You're just going and going, get getting nowhere. And you may may fast end up losing yourself. And you're not going to live for Jesus. And Jesus knew that. He knew he wasn't, he wasn't there to become popular. He knew he didn't need the praise of man because he knew what he was going to do. So today, what do we see about God? We see God comes in through Jesus. He's in the middle of, Jesus is in the middle of a party. Somebody comes in desperate need. He follows the man in desperate need. Another woman in desperate need comes up and touches him. She's unclean. Jesus knows it. He heals her. Jesus continues to the funeral, stops the funeral, pulls the li little girl out of death into life. And then the two men interrupting him on the way, yelling at him. He lets them come into the house and he asks them, do you believe? They respond, yes, we do. He says, okay, as you have faith too, then your eyes will be open. And then he asks them not to spread his fame. They do it anyway because it's difficult and maybe that's a good lesson for us like it's for us who have been touched by Jesus we shouldn't let anybody we shouldn't let anybody put um, a lid on that us being touched by Jesus should be something that keeps coming out because it has changed all about who we are So what about us? Jesus can be a hard, <laughs> hard person to follow one to one. But what are the things in this story that sticks out to you? Also, as as uh, Satuk was relating about, like love your enemy. Here, also, Jesus has mercy on the rich, the poor, the marginalized, the outcast, the blind people. And they aren't even going to do what he says. But he still helps them. How do we respond to that? And even when we look to the cross, when we look to the resurrection, was it that, what is it that we see? Other than if we've been forgiven so much, if we've been shown so much mercy, 
wouldn't it and shouldn't it be natural that it comes out of us? And so when we see Jesus doing these things, I think he gives us great hope. I think it points towards to our resurrection as well. That Jesus is the Lord of death and life. He decides. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we can have together study in a word. And uh, Jesus, your kindness and your mercy and your patience is, I mean, it's <laughs> its divine. I mean, you, you let yourself be interrupted by all sorts of people. You... people coming up and grabbing you, people yelling at you, and thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you are that patient. Thank you, Lord, that you did not seek fame and earthly prosperity, but you followed the plan that your Father and you has made, and you did it by the power of the Holy Spirit. You lived life. You died. You rose again. And you did it so we could come back to you. And Lord, you're promising that you're coming back. You're sitting at the right hand of the Father, and you are the Lord of life and death. Lord, we have the promise of eternal life with you. That you will raise people. And so that I ask for all of us here tonight, Lord, I ask that you would overwhelm us with who you are and that overwhelm us with how you've touched our hearts and lives, that that would always bubble up and always come up. And Lord, I pray for people watching or people here that you meet them right now in this time. And they will see who you are. So Holy Spirit, as we celebrate your sending today, I pray you will remind all of us it's never about living in our own strength but in your power. So will you fill us to the brim with who you are today and every day of our lives? We ask that. Help us to be attentive. Help us to listen. Help us to act when you call us to do something. May it be the praise of the glory of God in Jesus' name. Amen. So you may stand for the benediction. All right. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.